morning. Speak, friend, and enter the Bag End Book Club. I'm Nora. I'm joined by M. Hello. And Autumn. I'm sitting right next to you like I always am. Shut the fuck up. And Jackson. <laughs> Hello. I have a head full of so many guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm overloading with guys. It's I will guy now city. list the guys. <laughs> I should have picked Tar up Elendil. Tar Minuatir. <laughs> Tar Faison, who was the last guy. You don't need to know those guys. It's not that important. That's those that guys important. are the cool guys. What are you talking about? I mean, our Farazan did, like, get everybody killed. That is true. What about that guy who's like, I kicked so much ass in the East that my new name is East Victory. <laughs> and then, like, 200 years later, his great-great-great-great-great-whatever-grandson is like, bro, I just kicked so much ass in the East, I'm gonna be the second East Victory. <laughs> We read the appendices in which uh, Tolkien steps on the gas and gives you a bunch of lore that you didn't know. So much lore was given. <laughs> I Okay, so <clears throat> to, just to like preface this, I have now read appendix A and B, appendices A and B, probably three times each and mm. have retained remarkably little. <laughs> And I, I am enraptured with a lot of it. I think a lot of it is really cool, but there there is so much happening so quickly that it is very hard to retain it. There are certain chunks that, that you know, go down easier. Like the mm. chapter that's all about Aragorn and Arwen is just yes. a straight up, like, story. Yes. Like, I got it. I can follow that much more easily. Meanwhile, the, like, Annals of the Kings is, like... 30 pages. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I don't I was I did not expect everyone to come in and have full knowledge of uh, right. the entirety of this. Yeah. We would just kind of pick and choose among things that uh seemed yeah. fucking cool cuz there's a lot of stuff in here that's real fucking cool. The yeah, so the other thing I was going to say was that um today I also finished rereading Fellowship and um <laughs> like I was surprised at how much like oh, there's this thing from the appendices. That, that showed up yeah. in Fellowship. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Glorfindel. I know who he is now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was, that was a lot of fun. I, that would, like, made, like, rereading Fellowship a lot more, like, rewarding. And I'm excited to, like, reread Two Towers and Return of the King, like, with some of this bouncing around in my brain, too. Like, so much of the, of the Denethor stuff, I feel like you get a ton of context for why he's such an asshole, <laughs> in these chapters. Oh, I had I had forgotten the bit where when Denethor is young yes. and his dad is the steward, Aragorn is just here under an assumed name being like I'm I'm a I'm a champion of men and I think you should listen to Gandalf and you shouldn't listen to Saruman because he seems like he's full of shit. And then Denethor is like what's your what's your base value? He's like I can't tell you about it actually. Peace and then bounces and then 30 years later Denethor looks in the fucking stone and is like that guy was he's the one who's going to get me fired. This man is coming for me. <laughs> yeah, this is, it's incredible. I all I, in some ways, but, I'm glad that like, um, Tolkien doesn't like take a detour during Return of the the Return of the King to like explain who was Thorongil. But also, I kind yeah. of wish I had known all that when I was reading about Denethor because I was like, this guy is such an ass. Why is he like this? And now I know, and it's great. Yeah, <laughs> and also Denethor is like aging prematurely because of the strain of fighting Sauron in his brain. Right. Yes. When he starts using the uh, the Palantir. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
<clears throat> um, uh, wait, Elrond's dad is an astronaut. <laughs> wait, what? Elrond's dad is an astronaut. <laughs> I don't remember I, this. What? Are you, what? What is going on here? I don't remember this being true. I understand so, this because Nora like workshopped this joke on me before the podcast today. But like, well, can we have the appendices to this joke, please? <laughs> Elrond's father is the guy in the ship with the with the with the Silmaril in it. Right. Oh yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So you know what? He's flying the ship around as a star. Yeah. Um, that that uh that, that totally makes sense. <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> that guy has a name that I remember. Uh, um, Yarendel. Yarendel. Oh, that, yeah. uh, oh, that's how you pronounce that. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I assume it is. I'm just going off of uh, I'm. At one point in my life, I had like the Arundel song uh, memorized because I was a nerd. When I, was 16. <laughs> um, See, I, I was... still have I still have the Gilgalad song that they sing in Rivendell memorized because I sing in the shower sometimes. <laughs> See, I I was in my head was going Arundel. Like... I think it's meant to be. Uh, I think you're meant to pronounce both uh, both vowels there. Mm. It's not a diphthong. I'm pretty sure it's been a long time since I like remembered how Elvish works. And in fact, I told you you could just totally skip the part where the book tries to explain to you how Elvish works. It's really fucking boring. Because <laughs> I don't care that much. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool that it's there. I'm glad that it's there for the people that want it. But I looked at that for about six seconds. It was like, all right. You know what I said t- about that about two? To mm. of- what? Mm. That the, the <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> you know what I said that about? What'd you say mm. that about, babe? The calendar of the Shire. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. I thought the ca- I hmm. I got uh, uh, pissed off at <laughs> a, that. There is a. Um, uh, the downfall of Numenor and ruin of the ancient world as is told in the Akalabeth which yeah. is presumably some sort of text um, yeah. Akalabeth is also the name of the first video game developed by uh, what's it, Lord British? Yeah, Richard what Garriott. The fuck is oh, Richard, Garriott. R- Richard it's Garriott. It's the pre-ultimate uh, name. Yeah. Yes, the like prototype of what would become Ultima 1 uh, a few years later. So I saw that here uh, and realized that he had just taken this thing that Tolkien... No, I know, shocking, that he stole something out of, of Tolkien's writings. Uh, yeah. And then he just, like, simplified the word and took out an L and took out a little mark over the A. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get to the Akalabeth in about four months. Oh, is that, like, in the Silmarillion? Yes. Okay. Cool. I I read that and I was like, oh, I guess that's just a thing that Tolkien never got around to writing, you know? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I guess I as like part of the the this the appendices are dodgy about what happens to Numenor. I feel like kind of a little bit, but I don't. What is everyone's perception of what happened to Numenor? I guess. Okay. So. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, Tenuviel was a really hot lady. Um, uh huh. And she was an elf, and she took mortal form and got married to a man, 
and uh-huh. they had two sons, Elrond uh-huh. and Elros. And yeah. um, God, question mark? They keep talking about the Valar and never explain who the, those people are. I just got that yeah, from don't, fandom Yeah, don't, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there uh, soon. Very soon. Okay. So the Next Valar week, we might say. give Elrond and Elros a choice between uh, man and elf, basically. And Elrond is like, I'm going to be an elf. And they give him, you know a lot of wisdom and, and elfliness and yeah. Elros chooses to be a man and he is sent out to Numenor, which is to the West, but not as West as the undying lands, which is the most West. Um, yes. And um, the stuff that happens in Numenor where Elros or yeah, Elros is the first King and he takes the name, Tar Minuati or something like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't Who care cares? about that. None of that Who will ever cares? matter. So, um, yes. basically, Numenor is a great place where all the men hang out for like years and years and years and years and years, and they live much longer than like the men of Dale, let's say, like regular men. Yeah. Um, and oh, right, that's what happens is as the years go on, the men of Numenor um, resent Elros for choosing mortality. And they want yes. to go out to the Undying Lands, and they want to, um, like, become immortal. Uh, partially, like, they got Sauron, like, whispering in their ear, like, ooh, you should take, you know... Uh, Great you kings take... take what is their right. Right. Um, and uh, God puts them on their ass for this. Uh, and they end up in Middle-earth, uh, and... Elendil is the first king in Middle-earth, and he's the king uh, in the north of Arnor, where, like, Aragorn ends up spending a lot of his youth. And uh, Yeah, that's where all Gondor. the so. bear rights and stuff are. Fallen kingdom. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, I just um, wanted to read a sentence or two here. Hit me. Yeah. When uh, they're going off, they, they're setting sail, going off to claim immortality, right? Yes. Uh, but when Ar Farazan set foot upon the shores of Amon the Blessed, the Valar laid down their guardianship and called upon the One, and the world was changed. Numenor was thrown down and swallowed in the sea, and the Undying Lands were removed forever from the circles of the world. So ended the glory of Numenor. Yeah. <clears throat> Any thoughts? Uh. <laughs> um. I gotta Obviously side with the, the men. Undi- on, I gotta side with the men on this one. <laughs> no, it's not for them. Um, uh, the Undying Lands are a spaceship, and it has uh, <laughs> taken off and has left the world, and that's why you can't go there anymore. Maybe this is just my dirty modern but... conception. But you've got to be pissed off waking up, being like, "Well, because because my dad was whatever. Uh, those other guys are fucking immortal. It sucks being here." <laughs> yeah, but you're bound to the earth forever. Um, still unclear on what that means. Like, I understand that the mortal people die on Earth, and that is fundamentally different to what happens to elves. Um, and the relationship to the Earth matters. Uh, but because I still am unclear on whether they're just playing Fortnite in the fucking Undying Lands right now. Uh, <laughs> well, well, so... I mean, but here's, here's, here's the fundamental thing that makes the, the choice of men, like, you know... It, I would not necessarily choose immortality bound to the earth if I knew God was real, because God's the one who says, no, that's not for you. And I'd be like, yeah, sure. Okay, let's fucking go. Yeah. El- uh, it says somewhere. It's like- not It's not as if it's not as if it was told to them by culture. God said, don't go that way. 
<laughs> That's true. I get. I mean, maybe I'm just being um, conditioned by every single story ever being about how that that god is an evil god. Uh, you know, the if every mm. anime or you know modern nerd story that I would engage with with this premise would be about why that god is evil and the men are right. But it wouldn't no. be about why immortality is good because everyone's too coward to go that far. Uh, um, Lord of the Rings is not about how immortality is bad, just no. that it's not for humans. I'm, I'm not saying it, the Lord yeah. of the Rings is. I'm, I'm saying that, like, in the modern yeah. version of this, it would be about the humans doing that and how they were right, but then went too far with violence or whatever. You know. That's true. Uh, but I also, we'll, we'll. Oh, go ahead. What if you're our Farazan and you're like, man, just because my great granddad said he wanted to die doesn't mean I want to die. Yeah. And then Sauron's there, like, yeah, man. Why should you have to die? I think the Sauron thing is the most interesting bit to me because I do honestly believe, uh, given everything, that like <clears throat> it's pretty difficult to tell from some of the like information we're given. If you're a king, right? Imagine you are a, you're, a, you're a king. It's pretty Thank difficult you. to tell. <laughs> no problem. Uh, what a like glorious campaign of conquest for your people is, and what a super evil one. I mean, I guess in one situation when the god said, "Don't do this," I guess that's that's the line you don't cross. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I'm really fascinated by the line right above what I said, um, where Sauron lied to the king, declaring that everlasting life would be his who possessed the undying lands, and that the ban was imposed only to prevent the kings of men from surpassing the Valar, which is like. Exactly what the snake says, right? Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just not true. It's just extremely not. It's not. The thing is, going to the Undying Lands would, as far as I remember, would not grant humans immortality. They just, in their nature, are mortal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They can um, kind of cheat a little bit with rings, but that's like not the same thing. Also, just like at this time, <clears throat> these kings are living fucking hundreds of years. Right. Mm-hmm. Like um, the, the guy at, who succeeds is like, is listed as like reigning for two hundred years, you know? Yes. Like, <laughs> it, um, yeah, it's described as like up to three times what a normal lesser man lives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The important thing about the destruction of numerous stuff, I think, is interesting, and I just always have liked this. I think it's fucking sick. Is when like so you have Middle Earth, right? And then you have Numenor, which is an island to the west, and then further west you find the Undying Lands, just like the end of the world literally like medieval the end of the world um and when they set foot on it um the world being remade is like suddenly the world you know your map loops the world is round and the undying lands did not go with the world when the world was shifted into being a a round world and going from like a medieval concept to a world to a flat world but this one place just didn't go um is fucking sick to me (laughs) Uh, and also you just kind of fold your map so the yeah. Numenor is gone. Oh yeah, in doing that, that whole island is fucked. <laughs> just cat, yeah, just immediately like upturned into the ocean. Uh, goodbye. Which brings me man. to another little moment that I laughed at. <clears throat> uh, they hope in this moment, you know, after this disaster, that you know, at least Sauron probably bought it, right? Like, that probably worked out. And then it says, but it was not so. Sauron was indeed caught in the wreck of Numenor, so that the bodily form in which he had long walked perished. But he fled back to Middle-earth, a spirit of hatred born upon a dark wind. 
He was un- unable ever again to assorm- assume a form that seemed fair to men, but became black and hideous, and his power thereafter was through terror alone. This is why I assumed this was going to be what the uh, Amazon show is going to be about. Yeah. Because you get Hot Sauron uh, being like a tempter guy. Um, it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. But When is it set after this? I, no one knows, but like the characters they've announced don't fit in really anywhere, you know? So well, who, I just, who have they the, announced? The, I mean, like there's Galadriel and Elrond and then a bunch of fucking guys that are just like new. But um, the Valar were just like, "Fuck you, unfems your boy." <laughs> okay, yeah. No, they, I was checking. I'm fairly sure they've announced at, like actual Isildur, so it has to be way later than this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Isildur's huh. in the series, so it's going to be about that stuff. That's that's boring. Oh, what if Isildur is only in the last episode? He is third on the cast list. <laughs> what if it's like? An anthology series, and this first season is going to be about Isildur, and then the next season is going to be about, like, some other shit. Co-showrunner Patrick Patrick McKay compared Isildur's character to Al Pacino's Michael Corleone from The Godfather. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) Go to hell! (laughs) Does anyone actually make anthology shows because it feels like everything i've seen where somebody said oh this is a cool anthology then they just like stuck to the same thing and kept doing that no i mean i like Uh, when star trek discovery was first pitched that was the pitch and then they were like no we have to build new sets every time fuck off (laughs) (laughs) i mean american horror story is a popular television show that's Uh, like the only one that's managed to do this i think the the Hmm. the haunting one the the mike flanagan thing I guess they tried it with True Detective and people didn't like that second season. They made three whole seasons. They made third one? Yes. They did. People like that one more. Huh. People like that one more, but not as much as the first one. Well, it's Russ Cole. How do you you follow Russ Cole? Yeah. How? He's great. I love that guy. Anyway. um, Lord of the Rings. Lording the Rings. Matthew McConaughey should be in Middle Earth. No. no. So we get a we get a full <laughs> we get a full story of Aragorn and Arwen, um, which wouldn't fit in the book, but is the most like the book that the appendices ever get. Yes. Yeah. Um, this is so funny to me. All this stuff is so funny. Com- complete with um, like Aragorn saying, "I must die," and Arwen being like, "You don't have to," and Aragorn like, "No." I do. That's the whole thing. No, we I really to. do because if if I don't, it'll go really bad for everyone. It's, yeah. it, my dignity is to die. Um, trust me. Also, you do not want me just walking around looking like a corpse. I love the part where uh, Alrond is like, "All right, I don't want to let my daughter go because if I let her go, that means I'm really letting her go because she's you know she's gonna die, and uh, I'm not." Um. Mm-hmm. And so you got to become king, not just one king, but you got to be king of all of it. If I'm going to give her to you, you got to go the distance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, all right, it's going to take me like 30 years. He's like, it's fine. You're going to live a long time. It's like, yeah, you're right. I am. You've got time. <laughs> anyway, I knew conceptually this going back a little bit. I knew conceptually that Aragorn was like a much older man than like all the other mm-hmm. men we see in the series, but it didn't hit until it was like, Oh, Aragorn was already like in it, like in his prime, like when Denethor was a kid, and then when we see Denethor in the main bulk of the book, he's like an old yeah. asshole. <laughs> yeah, 
And and throughout, like, Aragorn literally, like, ages 50 years and does CIA ops in the Middle East for, like, Gandalf and shit. And, like, Arwen just goes between her summer and winter homes because that's what time is for her. Yeah. That's literally, like, how he meets her again and she d- doesn't recognize him because he's he's old and he's got a beard and his hair's gray now. Yeah. Um... What what a charmed life that must be, just bouncing between <laughs> Rivendell and uh, Lorien. Like, re- rereading Fellowship this week just really hammered home, like, wow, Lorien really is something, because, like, they never see anything that nice for the rest of their miserable fucking lives. Yes. Um, um, and then, like, by the time, you know, shortly after Lord of the Rings, it's fucking gone. Yeah. Is it... Uh, Arwen, like... That's where Arwen goes. Is she goes to the sort of yes. like dying Lorien, um, and yes. like, and there's nobody there. It's empty. Yeah, and she just sort of fades. It feels like, yeah. Um, there. Uh, she laid herself to rest upon Karen Emroth, and there is her green grave until the world has changed, and all the days of her life are utterly forgotten by men that come after. And Eleanor and Nifredil bloom no more east of the sea. Sick. So it's fucking sick. sick. And then shortly thereafter, Legolas and Gimli rode down on a boat right off into the Undying Lands. <laughs> okay, so we got we got to talk about this shit. What happens to the rest of the Fellowship is so good. The, the, all of it the, is the good. The bit where they just drop a... And that was Master Meriadoc, the fucking king of all kings. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I guess that's technically Aragorn. But you know what I mean? Aragorn, you know what I mean? Right. Like, they're like, that was yeah. that was this, like, you know, hero of the, of the war who became a great uh, leader of people. And I'm like, Mary? The Thane <laughs> of the Shire. Thane? The Thane yeah, the, the Thane. Yeah, he becomes Thane, yes. which is the closest they come to a king. Literally, Aragorn gives, like, no man can go into the Shire, period. Shortly after Lord of the Rings, um, and yeah, he's just the leader of their whole shit. Um, yeah, and Sam's the mayor of Hobbiton, and uh, Pippin's doing his shit, and they travel <laughs> the world. Sam doesn't, but everyone else travels the world back and forth. And I like to um, think that by the end, when he's like next to Aragorn, he's like five foot four. <laughs> like uh th- there's that whole bit where like sam's uh first daughter is taken as like a maid for uh queen arwen and it's fucking sick all that stuff is very good yeah um but everyone being old as fuck um and like mary and pippin get summoned to well sam at, in his dotage or whatever gets passage he leaves right mm-hmm. um that uh, I, I don't know the exact order. Uh, I think that happens first, though. I'm like um, trying to find the exact passage here. It's I get a little lost in some of this stuff. I will. I will get. Yeah. It. Uh... Okay. Um. But then uh, a very old um Aomer summons uh Mary to come and see him and talk to him one last time. So him and Pippin both go and never seen the Shire again. And they go and they hang out with uh Aomer until he dies. And then they go to Gondor and they hang out with the king and they both die. And they're both like entombed in in Aragorn's like burial right like building. And then when Aragorn's like, it's time for me to pass on. My my son's ready. He's probably like sixty. You know, he can be a great king now. I'm gonna lay down and die. Uh, he does that next to Merry and Pippin, and uh, then Legolas, who's been like uh, see, uh, goes and Gimli goes with them because. Uh, who can say? That's what legend tells, is that Gimli might be the only d- dwarf to ever go to the Undying Lands, which is incredible. Yeah. Uh, re- reading that and then, like, reading, like, just a, a day or two ago, like, 
Gimli like meeting Galadriel and just like realizing mm-hmm. how much like seeing one hot lady just changed his whole fucking life is so good. Yes, I yes. really like the 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 way it describes it. <clears throat> if this is true, then it is strange indeed that a dwarf should be willing to leave Middle Earth for any love, or that the Eldar should receive him, or that the Lords of the West should permit it. But it is said that Gimli went also out of desire to see again the beauty of Galadriel, and it may be that she, being mighty among the Eldar, obtained this grace for him. More cannot be said of this matter. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I, you never find out about that. Who knows? I <laughs> I just like the idea that, like, him and Legolas were just bros, and Galadriel was just like, oh, him. Yeah, he made yes. me laugh that one time. Yeah, let, let him in. <laughs> I love that little guy. But also that, like... That, like, this is so far after most, like, most of the elves leave with Elrond and Galadriel, because it's Elrond and Galadriel. Right. Um, and so by then, it's, like, almost all of them are gone. It's, like, Arwen and Legolas, and there's probably, like, Mirkwood elves hanging around or whatever, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's nothing. So he's, like, you know, making a, a boat for two on the shore for him and a very old Gimli to sail west. It's just incredible. I love this so much. Yeah. Because presumably some elves... Per, like in some form persist enough to be part of later human culture, right? Well, yeah. So this mm-hmm. is one of the things is um, one of the lines that really hit for me was Elrond's, uh, I, and I, I was trying to find it earlier, but it's like Elrond was basically like told like, you know, after the war of the ring, like, or after you leave your, your children are going to need to leave or die basically. Um, and for, so like Elrond always kind of knows no matter how the war of the ring goes, he's going to be bummed out at the end of it, you know, um, yeah. because everybody's going to have to leave or die. Um, and what better way to portray a guy who knows he's going to be upset with something no matter how it goes than to hire Hugo Weaving to play this character. <laughs> <laughs> a man who is That's essentially true. a living frown. <laughs> <laughs> the, the... I was so funny because I was watching the um, just the the uh, council of um, Rivendell scene, and the whole time I was just like mentally focusing like, is Hugo Weaving trying to do an accent? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell. I genuinely I don't know. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? There's oh the other thing we find out in the big timeline of events is uh, year one thousand of the Third Age. Yeah. yeah. Uh, five guys just show up from the West one day. We don't ever uh, see two of them again. <laughs> uh, and and, and, and Kirdan at the Grey Haven is like, what are you guys here for? It's like, to watch and learn stuff. <laughs> and Kirdan immediately is like, well, these four guys are fucking useless. But you, Gandalf, come here. Uh, here, take my ring. <laughs> I'm not going to use it. I'm just chilling here by the sea. Yeah. Three of you are useless. One of you is a a problem but you yes. <laughs> they do just like i like <laughs> emerge as if they were uh four travelers carrying an orb yeah but there's no, five straight of them. Up. that doesn't match you up. know what i mean <laughs> i um I, I i was doing like some like skimming on like fan wikis about like oh what a like what does radagast get up to what do these other two wizards get up to and like Nothing. tolkien said like four different contradictory things about the two blue wizards, so he didn't fucking care. And, yeah, um, he doesn't care. At one time, he's like, yeah, Radagast was mostly useless, and at another time, he was like, no, Radagast was really important, just not in a way that, like, people cared about. So, like, 
the bottom line is Tolkien doesn't really know. Tolkien doesn't care that much. <laughs> yeah. Tolkien don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Um, also, it's like in the history we get like the stuff with like as the kingdom of man gets split into two and they start their borders start shrinking. Like when Rohan shows up one day, it's like we can we can totally take this northern land off your back. Don't worry about it. Um, and then that part starts getting invaded, and then Saruman shows up. Like, I can totally take this tower from you and help you guys out. Don't worry about it. Yeah. It seems like the kingdom of men, long united, must divide. One might say that. One might say And then that. long divided must unite. Exactly. That's Obviously, that follows. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, this is not incredibly relevant, but... um. I was just reading that timeline in Appendix B um, today and uh-huh. realized it takes 600 years to build Barad-dur, which yeah, is fucking it's a real crazy. Big tower. <laughs> it's a real big tower. That's some like, fucking like, Emperor of Dune shit. The, the, yes. The, all the timelines in Appendix B like <clears throat> are really interesting, I think, but uh, uh, particularly the first one that he gives where it's like, oh yeah, and then the elves and Sauron were at war for 1,400 years in the Second Age, you know? Yeah. But, like, to the elves, what do they care? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they literally, they, they, there's a bit in here, it might be in the calendar stuff where they talk about elves counting 12s, and, like, you know, their, their like, version of a decade is, 12, is, like, 12, like, they use multiples of 12 instead of 10, like we do. But the elvish year is, like, 144 human years, like, the way they would count such a thing. <laughs> um, just a wildly different perception of time. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy because, like, um, here it is. 1697, death of Celebrimbor. Thir- 3,441, Sauron overthrown. <laughs> yeah. Like... Yeah, I I, uh, I love Osir's Wrath. <laughs> <laughs> now, is that the first death of Celebrimbor, or... Shut up. No, shut, shut up. up. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> um, we get some cool dwarf shit. There's, oh, yeah. there's we very little the dwarf shit in Lord of the Rings. Uh, but there's a whole and in all of Tolkien's work, there's not a lot of dwarf stuff. But there's some stuff at Durin's folk that's really interesting. Yeah. We learn a bit about dwarf culture. Um, dwarf women, no one's seen one. No one knows what they look like. Suppose they look just like men. Uh, so fuck the Amazon show. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but there's only like a third of them, and most dwarf women aren't interested in having kids, and most dwarf men aren't really interested in having kids. They're all just busy making stuff, being dwarves. So, slow-growing people. Yeah. Uh, we get a whole lot of like, yeah, they just made all sorts of shit, and then it always went bad, because who can say why? Like, the, they, they mention the dwarven rings generate gold if you have gold on you. It's like a fortune multiplier. But um, it seems to always go really bad for them. <laughs> We do get Azog. No, that one's for Nora. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> Azog real in the uh, in the appendices. That's a great name, Azog. Oh right, this is also where you get like Gandalf is just like sitting at an inn, being like, "I need to deal with smog. I need to deal with this other shit." And then <laughs> Thorin just walks up to him and is like. Hey, can you help me with this dragon? <laughs> yes, it's, it's... I love the I the reframing of the Hobbit as part of Gandalf's like infinite three D chess to get 
Sauron destroyed is really good. It's yeah, the most, he's like the Lord of the Rings ever tipped to the second. Like this is we've been saying this and it happened. It's like clearly happening, but. Gandalf's always at enough of a distance that you never get like the narrator go to his view. Like Gandalf was sitting, thinking about how to move all these people into the right places to do the murders that had to be done. <laughs> well, like, there's a bit where they, they. Oh, go ahead. Oh, it's just very funny. Like the the Gandalf sees far enough that he's like, okay, so if there was a battle in Gondor, it would really suck if a dragon showed up. So I yes. got to get rid of that dragon somehow. Yeah. The book literally goes, it was bad. Like the ki- like the king of uh, Bardtown died and the king of uh, the Lonely Mountain both died. They died together fighting to defend their land against the, the force of evil that were up in the far uh, east. But could you imagine if there was a fucking dragon? <laughs> if that hadn't been dealt with and it just destroyed everyone and then flew south and then incinerated uh, um, like Aomer as he stood on the hill talking with Aragorn. Right. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, but the dragons are like Smaug's there. It's my new fanfic. Yes. Then <laughs> Gandalf is like, wait, wait, wait. What if the dragon took the ring to Mordor? No. We could fly no. right over. Oh! oh. oh. <laughs> would Sauron, would, uh, would uh, Smaug have sided with Sauron? I think he'd probably take the ring for himself because he hoards, right? Well, yeah, but I'm, I'm not talking about like. I know he would want the ring. Everyone wants uh, the fucking ring. But I mean, in, if, my, if he was just still around, how would that have actually gone? I don't, I don't is, know if that's mouth. I assume, the, I assume he would have decimated the both sides, but there's more Sauron side to decimate, so they would eventually just overwhelm him, but it would lead to all of our heroes being incinerated. That's probably right. true. Was the other dragon um, aligned with Sauron or Morgoth, the, the big one? Just gonna have to wait until we get to the other book. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I want to know about it in Caligon. Sorry. Um, there is another dragon in this appendix. In the uh, Eoral parts. Yes. Yeah. They they talk about the uh, kings of Rohan slaying a dragon and clearing their lands of evil for a brief time. And then the dwarves are like, hey, that horde is ours. And then he was like, here's some dragon teeth. I bet you don't have any of these back home. He was right. <laughs> um, the other thing in the dwarf section that's really interesting, um, doesn't really come up, uh, is like the they mentioned just offhandedly, the dwarves just believe in reincarnation. That people are born that are just the oh, same as the people this. from history. Yes. That were like, if you name, if you're named after another guy, it's assumed that you are that guy just back. They, they like say like when, when a child was born, there was enough like Durin. They were like, Durin has come again to rule us. And that's just what yes. it was. That's what it was. And that's not, that's not like a, that's yes. That is like just a tenet of dwarven belief. Yes. Um, which is interesting. Everyone's got their own weird thing. Um, just saying, we'll, we'll get some more dwarf stuff. Not a ton, but um, I think dwarves are cool. Yeah, I do too. I this um, was like the most I have liked dwarfs, honestly, is like reading this and then also like once again, just like rereading Fellowship, like now that I know where Gimli ends up, like I'm I'm so invested in like his whole arc through the uh the the series, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing in this timeline is, uh, as the Lonely Mountain's getting attacked and that's all wrapped up, um, Galadriel does go out and just like raise down the bottom half of the Mirkwood forest of all of its evil. Oh, I... <laughs> right. There is a bit where they're like, Lorien marches on the bottom. Like, 
uh, like, uh, what's his name? Thranduil, Legolas's dad from right. the Merkwood Elves, and them meet in the middle, having done, like, a whole, like, we're gonna destroy all the evil in this woods. The Necromancer. Yeah. Forgot about it. There's a him. whole tower in there that we don't, we, that's never talked about, outside of in the movie The Hobbit uh, 2, probably, whichever the second one. The third one. It's the third one. Oh, is it in the third one? Okay. Because he, he gets a bit, yeah. it's part of the big cliffhanger, not to spoil it for Autumn. To spoil the Hobbit movie. Oh, okay. <clears throat> the fucking I, terrible ass <laughs> Hobbit movies. Yeah, there's, there is a two movie arc about hanging out around that fucking tower. <laughs> yeah. I have not seen the Hobbit movies, but I have seen more of them, I think, than I've seen Lord of the Rings because I think Nora was watching them a couple of years ago and I would like kind of pop in my head and be like, oh, what's up with that? Oh, okay. That's how I'm stupid. I'm wandering away now. I watched the first one and I showed you one clip. When? Yeah, we- you showed me, you showed me um, Gandalf <laughs> doing a Dark Souls fight or something. No, Radagast doing a Dark Souls fight. Oh, right. <laughs> when right. we um, oh. cover them, it'll be my very first time watching the extended editions of those movies. Because guess what? I didn't want to rewatch. Maybe well, yeah, I better. saw them in I I saw all three in theater in high frame rate, and that's yeah. the only time I saw them. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm willing to sign up to watch you, them. You, you are not on the hook for it. You 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 can willingly yeah. enter into this contract, but yeah. watching Lord of the Rings really excited to do that. You right. can bounce We're, off um, that if you wish. The Valar are offering you a choice. <laughs> you yeah. can you can watch the movies or you can leave. <laughs> but we do have to do the animated one first, right? That's the order we're going yes, in? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We're doing Oh, that's fine. Those fucking the Hobbit. Re- they're really interesting. We're doing Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, then we're doing live action, those stuff. So Yeah. I, I don't then, think Amazon we're gonna be over. But um I am also I downloaded today um the seventy nine NPR radio drama and the 1981 BBC radio drama of um, oh, wow. Lord of the Rings. So I don't think we're going to cover it, but I want to listen through those. So, um, I'm trying to Jackson. Yes. Who's your favorite member of the Fellowship? Um. Hmm. Like I don't want to be boring and be like it's Sam and Friday. And then I would lean towards. You can totally pick. Sam. You have to pick. Yeah, one, I mean, if, of those, it's it's Sam, but it's like, it's like Sam, in his uh, you know, after Frodo collapses, saying gay shit about his guy. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's uh, that's Lord of the Rings. It's it's Autumn, uh, favorite Sam, fellowship member now. My favorite fellowship member is. I'm trying to decide between Merry and Pippin. And the problem is that I love them both for different reasons, but a couple of the moments um, blend together. Like, I'm having trouble remembering who who ends up swearing fealty to, to Aemir and to, to Theoden and Mary. all them. Mary. Yeah, probably Mary. Probably Mary is my favorite member okay. of the Fellowship. M. Oh, Gimli. Hmm. Strong mm. choice. Strong choice. I want to be. I want to be cool and say Boromir. Boromir is like a strong second. But I, it's, it's I was waiting I, for his Boromir. Oh, yeah, I was waiting for someone to cut some of Boromir. I, I, mine is Boromir because I can't. Week. You go. Sorry, I was. Mine is Boromir. I can't pick Faramir, so it's Boromir. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Faramir of the Nine Walkers, as the as he's called in this appendix. I am um, rereading Fellowship this week. Uh was more sympathetic than ever to, like, Boromir's character arc and was also actively booing him the entire time. 
was just like, why are you <laughs> such a dick? I know why you're a dick, but stop. His people are being overrun. His dad's like kind of an asshole, sends him on this mission. Uh, oh, he wants to send his brother on this mission. He's like, no, I'll go. I'm the elder brother. I need to do it. Take the responsibility. Rides a thousand miles, only be told to sit here for three months until we can have a meeting. Yeah. And then it's told this little guy has got the super weapon, but you can't have it because we're going to go throw it in the garbage. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, I, I totally 100% understand him. And I'm also like... Okay, but every time, like, they go to Lorien, and um, the elves are like, okay, the dwarf has to be blindfolded. And every single time there's, like, division amongst the free peoples of Middle-earth, Boromir is like, well, yeah, that's because we should be divided, because everyone sucks except the guys from Gondor. And I'm like, Boromir, why are you yes. like this? <laughs> I know, like I say, I know why he's like this, but as I'm like, I'm like, can you yeah. stop? Can you not? <laughs> no, but Numenor, though. <laughs> He doesn't know. He's a he long way care. from Numenor. He's a long way from Numenor. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't care about Numenor. He cares about we're the guys who have to like sit there and feel the eye of Barad-dûr on us all day, every day. I can see Minas Morgul from my fucking house. Yeah. Some some days you listen to too many Churchill speeches and just makes you a certain type of guy. <laughs> And that's Boromir. He's also the only one who brought a shield. <laughs> that's true. Oh, I... I mean, that's the thing is, like, they're not fighters, right? They're, like, they are they are trekking <laughs> and sneaking. They're not here to, like, do a war. Mm-hmm. The part where Boromir, like, before they leave, uh, before they leave uh, Rivendell, has to blow his horn. He's like, we might go for, like, a thief in the night the rest of the way, but I have to announce myself before we go on our quest. It's like, all right, buddy. I he's cool when, he that. cool when he does it that it's cool when he does that when he does that i know but <laughs> i gotta take I everything realize... in barmail oh, it's not even cool when i blow my horn it's cool no, when it he is, but horn. it is a little ridiculous he is a man of airs <laughs> yeah. right and arrows <laughs> Shut up. well see he's full of air after he gets full of arrows <laughs> Do you think he takes one to the knee? Shut up! No. What the fuck is going on on this one, God? <laughs> you you t- said it was 2011 again before we started recording, so I guess it's really 2011 again. Uh, only because you were making a bunch of Pitbull jokes. <laughs> oh, were they jokes or was I quoting Pitbull? <sighs> How long lived the men of Dale? <laughs> <laughs> you know who I thought about today who I hadn't thought about in a while was Bard, the 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 cool man that shows up at the end of uh the Hobbit to kill that dragon. I thought about him today. I was like, "Oh right. I wonder what he's up to all through Lord of the Rings." I think he's dead. Um, he might be dead, it's... but it's definitely touched on that like there are battles going on on the Misty Mountain and all throughout. Like, Gondor is not the only place that's besieged by Sauron's forces. Um, yeah, but Bard was, like, 20 or 30, right? And it's yeah. been 60 years or something? That was that was one of the things that was... I was trying really hard to hold on to and couldn't always. Like, like for example, like, last week, um, when um, Bilbo's like, oh, I'm turning 131, um... I, in my mind, was like, wasn't your 111st birthday, like, 12 months ago or something? I I had totally forgotten about, oh, right, 18 years pass between, um, like, Bilbo leaving 
and and Gandalf showing up and explaining the whole ring situation to Frodo. Like some of that, some of the time, like from the Hobbit to the start of Fellowship to when Fellowship really gets going, got a little hazy in my mind. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, like Aragorn is born twenty nine thirty one. Hobbit happens like ten years later. Right. God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then that is itself 60, 79, 78 years at, uh, before the end of Lord of the Rings. Okay. That might be bad math. I did that really quick, but. <clears throat> 60 plus 18 is 78. Yeah. 78 years between End of Hobbit and End of Lord of the Rings. So, like, time, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And and Gandalf doesn't look a day older for all of it. <laughs> uh, I assume we'll find out what's actually going on with Gandalf next time, or next book, not next time. I mean, no, we kind no, of I would not it. expect that. That's you get as much as you're ever gonna get right now. You're I fucking think. kidding me? We don't even get stuff about, about Gandalf being an angel. That's what I mean. You'll find out what an Einar is, but um, that's the Gandalf is one, as I think from the letters. Man, <laughs> that was like one of the few things facts I knew about Lord of the Rings lore before we started, and I was like, well, I'm glad, excited to find out what's going on with that, and, you know, whatever God sent him, or whatever. No. No, fuck you. No. Yeah, no. I, I hadn't fully realized, like, the elves were around, like, like, Celeborn, or whoever, is around a lot longer than Gandalf is. Uh, thousands oh, and thousands yeah. of years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, that, that makes it kind of significant to my mind that, like, Legolas is maybe younger than Gandalf is, you know? Or Yeah, I think that's true. Because like there's there's a birth date for Legolas in this book, I'm pretty sure. So Yeah. I, I I'm a little I'm a little hazy on some of it, but like I know that like Kirden and Celeborn um leave and like it said like, oh, that's the last living memory of uh oh. the second age, like passing out of Middle Earth, you know. Legolas Legolas's birth date this is given in the movie because it's not anywhere else is set to 87 of the third age. So he, he is older than Gandalf. If you want to, if you want to have Gandalf's like arriving in the world as when he was born. Right. Right. Which that, might not that be. Makes, that makes Legolas older than uh, Arwen. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Arwen's Arwen is I, the assumption I've always made is that Arwen is one of the youngest elves. They don't make a lot of elves. Yeah, I'm not seeing a lot more births after 241, which is when Arwen is born. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know like when Kyrdan and Celeborn leave relative to where like Legolas leaves. But I was, I, I, for some reason was just really moved by the line of like, you know, Kyrdan leaving is like the last living memory of the Elder Days, like left Middle Earth, um, and mm. that really felt like, oh right, like, you know. Aragorn and men like are in charge of this shit now, you know, like yeah. all the magic is fucking gone, <laughs> except the Shire, I guess, but that's different. And yeah. like close up magic. I I am um, would love to know what like happened to the Shire. 
Um, like I assume I it kind of just like fades in time, but I don't know. I don't know. know? The implication I mean, the is... thing. I mean, the thing we they say early on in like concerning hobbits is like you know no one's no one's heard of a hobbit. But they kind of exist as like weird fairy creatures in the modern. Well, era, that was right? my experience. Like, is it saying that the Shire faded, or just the Shire is still there in the world of imagination? Or something fucking corny, but you know, not in, not necessarily that literally. But like, yeah. We can't, mm-hmm. we people can't see the Shire, but it is assumed that somewhere there will always be hobbits doing hobbit stuff. I believe that is just left ambiguous. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't remember. Nora and I were talking about something earlier today, and I was like, "Well, yeah, of course the story doesn't go on after that because like Merry and Pippin and Sam all die, and like they're the people writing the damn book, you know." So, so Tolkien at some point after Lord of the Rings started working on a sequel. Um, it would have been they would have been like i don't you can look it up the details but it's like 100 years after like aragorn died or maybe whatever but it, it's he he realized the only thing left to write was about like gondor once again falling to like infighting among men and like you know what if there was like a sauron cult and thought it was too depressing and just stopped writing it he was like i don't want to write this this is miserable you you want me to write fiction and i was i was here making a history right uh, let me take the new shadow. That does sound pretty sick, though. It did begin a story placed about 100 years after the downfall, but it proved both sinister and depressing. Since we are dealing with men, it is inevitable that we should be concerned with the most regrettable feature of their nature, uh, their their quick satiety with good, so that the people with Gondor in times of peace, justice and prosperity, would become discontented and restless, with a dynast descended from Aragorn would become just kings and governors, like Denethor or worse. Uh, I found that uh, even so early, there was an outcrop of revolutionary plots about a center of satanic re- religion, um, while Gondorian boys were playing at orcs and going around doing damage. I could have written a thriller about the plot and its discovery and overthrow, but it would have just been that. Not worth doing. <laughs> Which honestly is the boldest thing anyone's ever said. Just fuck it. I'm, I'm not here to write fiction. God. The idea he's like, I mean, I can write a ton of books. The idea that he's like, well, I mean, it writes itself. The themes of the story are obvious, uh, and it would suck, and I hate it. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would love to read that though. That sounds like fun. Well, there's eight thousand books that are basically just that, that you can read instead. <laughs> Any sequel about defeating the great evil has got you covered. Can I recommend to you The Way of Kings by <laughs> Sanders? That's not what that is. <laughs> Unite them. <laughs> Unite them. <laughs> oh shit! Sorry for hitting the um, microphone. Yeah, at some point, listeners. at some point early on doing this podcast, I had looked at like what summary of his notes on that exists. It's like an old guard who remembered the old ways when he was really young. He would like seen the king or whatever dealing with his son being brought in by the the you know the evil Sauron cult and trying to convince him to not be a hooligan and i was just like man this is i I get it i get why you're like no i don't want to write this this sucks yeah i want to know what the sauron cult is like i don't know they like having secret meetings to create gunpowder they were having secret meetings as far as i know it was it was basically like almost like um the way that I remember the book kind of selling it is kind of like um, like early persecuted Christian sects, you know, mm. like with secret signs as they meet in like nobles' houses who are sympathetic to the cause or whatever, stuff like that. I think that secret meetings is kind of like one of the core tenets of having a cult. Yeah, that's fair. Masks are at least in antiquity. But not required. These days, these days you just advertise your cult. <clears throat> sign yeah, up. yeah, no that's cares. true. <laughs> then today it's just that we replace secret meetings with an app. 
Um, I don't think I have much else. I don't either. I'm just reading this very helpful little timeline in Appendix B of, like, March of uh, the final year of the Third Age that's just got, like, the 22nd, the dreadful nightfall, Frodo and Samwise leave the road. Like, I'm just like, oh, where was this when I was reading the book? (laughs) Um, It's really funny when it hits Lord of the Rings, it starts going by date. Yes. uh, (laughs) Instead of year. Yes. Uh, uh, one bit of news before we finish up. Uh, we had said we were going to bi-weekly again after we finished Lord of the Rings. We decided uh, as a group to not do that. We'll just cover... Because you know what's easier than recording every two weeks? Recording every week. Yep. Um, counterintuitive, but it's it true. Is so true. We, we decided in doing so to cut our chapter burden in half. Uh, normally we will be reading two chapters. We were going to be reading four of the Silmarillion, but because we're at the first episode, we have to get through all the front matter, which means for next episode, we are going to grab my book, which I again tossed aside, even though I knew I was going to have to look at it. We are reading the forward, the preface to the second edition, assuming you have the second edition. If you have the first edition, I don't know what to tell you. Um, the Anulandale uh, and the Valaquenta, uh, which are the first two like sections. It's about like 30 pages. Um, normal amount. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you I... ready for some emails? Yeah, I forgot we had emails. Oh. Email. Uh our first email is from Anthony. Um Yes, double checking the this person signed their email. <laughs> uh sorry. Anyway, um it's a longer email. I'm not going to read all of it, but it's about um uh their feelings about um sam and frodo's like relationship and um uh like basically asking at the end like do we feel um that like sam and frodo are queer or or do we feel like a a different sort of way about their relationship um and, and how sam and frodo's relationship is like very impactful for um anthony um for me and also is in culture a like point of homophobic jokes in some cases yeah absolutely as, as uh, like they I, I point am... out the the tv ads for when they play this move the movie on on the tv and making like jokes about the two of them i i literally <laughs> last week read a a goodreads review of return of the king about um like I couldn't, I, I think this person was queer, but like making like weird jokes about how this is like the happy ending and the homoerotic romance uh, of, uh, and all this sort of stuff that like felt like the well-intentioned like opposite of, um, <laughs> you know, all the like homophobic jokes that are made about Frodo and Sam over the years. For mm-hmm. me, I definitely, like I see it, like I reread Fellowship and was like very moved by um like sam in rivendell being like oh i was holding your hand every every day while you were in your coma frodo and um like i'm glad it's not so cold as it was like i was very moved by that um like there's the story of ian mckellen like trying to emphasize on set like i you you guys should really sell the queerness of that because it's very important to ian mckellen um And I also am just, like, very aware of this book as, like, a product of, like, an English guy in the 50s, you know? And I don't don't know that I read it as, like, an intentional part of it so much as, like, 
a reading that I take away from it from my own, like, modern point of view, you know? I think there's many ways yeah. to, like, walk away from it. Because the thing that basically everyone's going to agree with, whether you read it in a queer way or not, Sam and Frodo are definitely in love. Like, that's just that's just the text. Uh, right. Yeah. And the way it gets navigated, like, is this an expression of a different kind of just masculine camaraderie? Is this, uh, like a, a uh, queer text. This is more about like reader interpretation and how you um, like read a text. That's not really like brought to the surface. Uh, and that's why it's been such like a long running thing and in uh, culture for years. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I feel like Lord of the Rings itself as a work doesn't make much difference between Sam and Frodo, Sam and Rosie Cotton, uh, Aragorn and Arwen, yes. Legolas and Gimli. Like, the relationships that buoy people are important because they're relationships and the like casting of some of these is like ro- like, you know, homosexual romance is about the modern construction of queerness. Right. As oppositional to the like hegemon of heterosexuality. Like Frodo and Sam are only queer in a world where like compet and toxic masculinity are as bad as they are in the modern world. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, you know, when Tolkien Tolkien's writing about living through World War One with like his friends in in the trenches, and the relationships that came out of that just don't read as like the way men are supposed to act in the modern era. Even a hundred years has just obliterated the difference there. Um, and uh, I think that's important to hold in your head if you want. If you want to read this, it's like explicitly queer. I think go nuts. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, all the way down to like Gilgamesh and Enkidu, you can apply queerness to classic literature that's part of the joy of classic literature is it depicts all sorts of relationships that don't fit neatly into our modern conception of things yes i would like i would like be hesitant to like ladle that with heavy like actual intent um obviously um because as far as i can tell tolkien has you know would barely have a perception of queerness as the modern understanding of it and probably definitely wasn't putting in his books Mm -hmm. um but that's fine that's yeah. fine. I mean, you know, you find the meaning where you find it. I think the yeah. Thing, the, yeah, my actual reaction is like, uh, obviously there's loads of stuff in this book and you can read it anyway, but the, the way... I do not think Lord of the Rings is a good text to pull into like the modern conception of arguing about <laughs> representation. Uh, it's a book. It exists. There are many readings you can do of it. it. All of these readings can be valuable to different people. Uh, and the, like going through the text brings different things from different perspectives. Uh, but I don't think it matters... Ooh, no, no, matters is the wrong one. I don't think it's, it is... Uh, possible nor desirable to ask if frodo is queer right like he doesn't exist he is a fictional creation and you can read this fictional creation and the work that he would star him in many different ways but there's no like single uh representational answer um and uh i think that's just like a better way to approach this stuff hmm i also think that the fact that there is a relationship is more important than the details of it in a lot of mm-hmm. these cases, because the the perspective of Lord of the Rings is so broad at times that we don't necessarily dig into the thoughts and feelings of everybody. Yeah. And and at times it is more important that that there is a bond there than for the uh, I want to say camera, but it's a book, you know, oh, yeah. uh, than for the perspective uh, and the and the narrative to like define it in that way, but yeah. We have an email from Kate. Um, 
It says, first, Bag End is my favorite podcast. Thank you, Kate. Um, second, who's everyone's favorite minor character? Kate offers P- Prince and Rahil. Um, a guy I don't remember. I'm sorry, Kate. I I, I know that name. <laughs> you don't remember Prince, Prince Emmerhill is one of the three kings hanging out at the tent outside of Gondor. <laughs> it's Aylmer, it's Aragorn, it's Prince Emmerhill. Um, uh, He's briefly in charge while other important things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite, like, minor character, no question, Treebeard. I love that guy. Oh, Treebeard He's rules. fucking amazing. Man, I don't know if Treebeard counts as a minor character by this measure, but okay. That you know, th- that's fair. If you want to say that doesn't count, um, you can come back to me and I will ponder this a little more. What's the line for minor uh, character? My answer. What? What's the line for minor character? Uh, I mean, I, hey, if Autumn wants to pick uh, Treebeard, I guess that's fine. I'd pick like I would say the other end who like uh, hangs out with them for a while is a minor character. Treebeard is a major character. I I could I will accept that and I would also pick that other int. I am fascinated by the ints. I love those guys. Um I think I'd pick Butterbur. I think Butterbur is a fun guy every time he shows up. I love Butterbur. Um I especially love Gandalf just being so like he is fond of him. It's very easy to read Gandalf as being very condescending to the hobbits, but you see him interact with Butterbur and you're like, "No, no, no, that's Gandalf being condescending." <laughs> <laughs> it's it's rude cuz like even with stuff that we have learned in the um, uh, offenses, Butterbeer, and specifically meaning people in Bree, has been so fucking important to the state of the entire yes. universe, and that having a stable establishment here has basically saved the world twice. Yeah. Butterbeer will never know the butterfly effect of uh, Gandalf hanging out in a pub in Bree. The Butterbeer yeah. effect. The Butterbeer effect, thank you. Um... So I've said before that my favorite minor character was the Mouth of Sauron. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I think that still holds true, but Glorfindel is pretty cool. Glorfindel is fucking great. <laughs> Glorfindel rules. Rereading um, Fellowship and getting to, to Glorfindel, I was so unbelievably hype. And then rereading the appendices today and being like, oh, right, he's the one that makes the like prophecy that... Uh, not by man's hand shall the witch king fall. I was like, oh, this guy's good. I love this guy. Yeah. I, I'm, it's so funny that they just stole that from Macbeth. It's still so funny. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of uh, Lord of the Rings with just Tolkien doing, redoing Macbeth in his own thing. You know, I mean, the end stuff is famous for this. Uh, I love that um, the witch king is like, ah, ha, ha, I'm so evil and spooky. And then Glorfindel just like shows up. He's like, gotta go. Bye. <laughs> Peace. Jackson, pick a guy. I mean, mine's also the, the Mouth of Sauron. I love the, the moment where the Mouth of Sauron shows up and then starts fucking like explaining land rights and they all realize how boring evil is. It's so good. It's- is the mouth of Sauron the one who shows up uh, at the Lonely Mountain and is like, if you can give us any information about the ring, you'll be Sauron's favorites? No. no. Okay, that's he's, just he's another the guy, guy. He's the negotiator from the... who comes over to discuss terms. At the gates. At the gates. Okay, okay. And, yeah. um, and then uh, Kate has a follow-up. Um, since we're getting into the world building and legendarium stuff, what's everyone's thoughts on world building um, or conlanging as an art forms divorced from narrative? I think constructed languages are corny, um, but whatever, it's fine. I've been, I've been watching a, um, a lot of Jan Misely, which is a YouTuber who specifically like talks about conlanging, yes. um, and my 
Uh, big takeaway from this is every person who does conlang stuff is a nerd. That is sometimes yes. complimentary, sometimes derogatory. Um, it seems like fun if you're into it, but for me, it's just like I this is not this is not my scene. This is not. <laughs> I I world building is weird because like I grew up reading a bunch of Stephen King, which is a lot of like just stapling world building together <clears throat> as you're writing novels that aren't very good. Um, and then ran into Tolkien, which is maybe like the perfect amount of blank spaces where you're always like, man, if he had had 50 more years and you're like, no, nah, actually it wouldn't actually have solved any of the problems, but um, it just always is like slightly frustrating exactly the way, like reading Tolkien didn't get me to read fantasy. Reading Tolkien got me to read classic literature where there's tons of blank spaces. And like, we just don't have this document. I don't know. It runs out here. There's probably more of it that used to exist. Doesn't anymore. Um, and that's like the thing that's like evocative to me. Mm. I yeah. think conlangs are really cool and fun. <laughs> I, the thing about, there, there was a part of my life uh, where I could reliably write in Quenyan. <laughs> the thing about the, because the, I was seventeen and there wasn't a whole lot to do. The thing about the conlang stuff uh, is like, while I admit, so Lord of the Rings is is functionally a terrible template uh, as a way to write anything because if you want to copy Lord of the Rings, here's what you have to do. Uh, spend multiple decades studying languages and refining them. <laughs> if you want to create an apple pie from scratch, you must first create the language. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's essentially the situation. And so no, literally no fantasy series today is going to come even close to doing the, just the amount of like work that Tolkien did beforehand. Um, and I don't even mean that as in like people are lazy now. I mean like... So when Tolkien was making the Lord of the Rings stories, right, and dealing with all these languages, uh, it wasn't with the purpose of being law in the way we think about it. He was, it was itself its own purpose. Um, mm. Whereas if I was to write a book, right, I would think of a story, I'd be like, what does this world building say? And I would build out from the story because that's the novel mm-hmm. I wanted to write. Um, and it just, it just, it, it is like, I think the effect of Lord of the Rings and how all the languages and when you look at the lines of kings, they line up perfectly. When you like when you have like Mirkwood next to Mord, you know they're not next to each other, but Mirkwood and Mordor, uh, just like you know you have the butter, butter wine, butter bounty, blah, 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 whatever. Whole point: all the names follow logically. They mean things. The the names are very simple, uh, and sometimes they're in other languages, but they generally just are like utilitarian linguistic names that were given to places, just invented on a long enough scale where they. F- form this massive tapestry i think in lord of the rings it's super effective no one else is ever going to do that so i probably wouldn't try it i certainly wouldn't if i was going to write a book yeah so when i was very very young and like in elementary school i read a lot of like fantasy books and then mm-hmm. from like middle of high school i was like oh i don't like fantasy anymore um and then like getting into like you know being 18 ish i was like Oh, I do like a lot of fantasy stuff. Like, I like Adventure Time, and that is basically, like, a fantasy, like, television show. Um, And the thing that I didn't like was the sort of, like, a lot of fantasy novels written now, um, one, take Lord of the Rings as a template, and take two, like, there's a ton of, like, writing advice, and, like, um, there's a whole, like, industry of, like, people who are writing books that tell you how to write books and all these like so much like world building advice, like totally obfuscates, like you need to tell a good story (laughs) and none of the, uh, like the, 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 
the world building does not matter nearly as much as like the characters and like the plot, let's say. Um, and so like, I, I got very tired of like fantasy novels that read more like encyclopedias <laughs> than actual, um, you know, stories. Uh, and I, luckily just as an adult, I've just been better at finding, um, you know, novels fantasy. I like. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tron. Was this question originally about conlangs? It was about world building and conlangs. <clears throat> okay, yeah. Um, I think language is cool. Is I've cool. had a like <clears throat> interest in the concept of language for a long time, and I just think making languages is cool. And I've watched a bunch of like conlang YouTube, which sometimes crosses over with world building YouTube, but doesn't always. A lot of the time, that is a different hobby. Um, but it's cool. I, I watched a video about a, a, a conlang that is like all very small words. And it's like, well, this language has 240 words in it. Oh, right. Or something. Tokipona. Uh, yes. It's cool. <laughs> Tron writes in. Uh, if you had to write an alternate timeline sequel to Lord of the Rings where Gollum escaped with one ring at Mount Doom and did not get caught by Sauron, what would you do? Uh, in the auto replies, is I have no idea, which I think is um, probably my answer, <laughs> but I'll try to think of something. I mean, so much of um, Lord of the Rings is concerned with like, oh, fate is like the tapestry of fate is woven such that this was the thing that had to happen. Lord, er, not Lord, Frodo, you got the ring because you were the one who was supposed to get the ring, you know? And so it is sort of hard to imagine like, oh, what would you do if this other thing happened in Lord of the Rings? Because so much of it seems... Not necessarily preordained, but like after the fact, it seems like, oh, that's the only way that it could have gone, you know? Well, especially by then it's on such like a, the course is already set. If the, if the mountain doesn't explode and Sauron's tower crumble, um, all of our heroes are getting killed right before the gate. And then uh, the ring race, we've already figured out that like the rings there, because Frodo already put it on, will just show up and grab the ring. If Gollum managed to escape it, they'll just hunt him down because there's no one on earth they would not go to I get assume it. this yeah. is the world so. where like Lord of the Rings ends how Lord of the Rings ends and then you pull out of your ass oh actually it exploded but Gollum held on in the fire and walked away from the wreckage with the ring um, and because he was still alive Sauron's spirit came back or whatever I assume that's like what the question's asking not because yes if Sauron didn't fall into the lava if uh, Gollum didn't fall into lava then they would just all be killed by the ring that are coming to kill them <laughs> <laughs> I the idea that like somehow everything happened like everything explodes and the tower topples or whatever but uh gollum survives with the ring which already just is you can't square that circle but gollum just going into hiding with like the ghost of sauron detached from all of his power hanging around being grumpy is like a great four coma comic i would enjoy reading a little that was the direction <laughs> i was going. i was i was this is not like necessarily a good a good but this is like when i was thinking like okay so gone's around hiding i guess it's probably about sauron trying to like uh team up with gondor because uh, they don't want Gollum either, so I don't know. He's probably calling himself Sauron. It's just a repeat of the Sauron trying to manipulate men again, which is also kind of boring. But uh, I think that's the way that story goes. Because yeah. Sauron wants the men to capture Gollum, but they don't know that he's got the ring, etc., etc. Yeah. Um, I I will say that we are um, that I have read a story very similar to what M just described. <laughs> <laughs> 
<clears throat> but our last email is from Danny, who asks, um, "What's your favorite like event or sequence?" Uh, they offered up um, Sam storming Kirith Ungol uh, to rescue Frodo, or Aemir and Aragorn meeting uh, on the Pelennor fields. Uh, two strong contenders. Um, <laughs> mine. Sorry to just keep be- like. Sorry to keep beating this drum, but Gandalf, Aragorn, and Legolas and Gimli showing up at Orthanc, and uh, Merry and Pippin are sitting outside smoking and being like, ah, we got him. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's really fucking funny. <laughs> it is really funny. <laughs> it's so good. Um, if, if not that, probably the scouring of the Shire. The scouring of the Shire was like really fucking moving um, mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I like the part where Gandalf taunts the Witch King and the sword lights on fire and everything. It's pretty cool. It's pretty fucking sick. It's pretty sick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, otherwise I would say the Barrows. Oh, the Barrows are a good pull. The Barrows are, the Barrows are really good. Um, I think I would go, I mean, I said it at the time, it's, um... It's Theoden and the Rohirrim riding up on the ridge and blowing the horn uh, until it bursts and riding forward and they sang as they slew. It's fucking sick. Sickest <laughs> things ever happened. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember who, like, what chapter happened in and, and the, the, what that flashback. The bit where it's Faramir and what's the face uh, sitting after everyone else has ridden out to the oh, final battle. Oh, yes. 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 And they're like, well, we've not gone to the final battle. I guess we just have to sit here. Um, that bit's really cool. Yeah. That's so fucking, like, not sad, like, melancholy and just, like, the right way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love the description of Faramir given in the appendix. Oh? Um, oh, there's a bit where he, there's a bit where they describe him as a man moved to pity where like Boromir's a man moved to judgment or something, right? I think it's contrasted with his with Denethor because he oh, with Denethor, right. Faramir and Boromir both share uh, aspects of Denethor. <clears throat> uh, so Boromir, beloved by his father, was like him in face and pride, but in little else. Rather, he was a sort of a man after the sword of King Erner of old, taking no wife, delighting chiefly in arms, fearless and strong, but caring little for lore. Faramir the Younger was like him in looks, but otherwise in mind. He read the hearts of men as shrewdly as his father, but what he read moved him sooner to pity than to scorn. And then it keeps going to describe uh, his how he's like gentle and bearing, a lover of lore and music, um, and for that reason was judged, his courage was judged less than his brother's at the time. But yeah. That um, sounds good. He liked Gandalf and thought Gandalf was based. So that's because Gandalf's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Th- Are we done? I think we're done. Yeah, we're done. Oh my god, we're done. So. That was a long podcast. Long podcast. Long pod. Woohoo! All right. No plugs. I'm canceling plugs. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> Ah, yeah. Where can people find you online? Find me at headfallsoff on Twitter.com. You find the podcast of me and MD at abnormalmapping.com. Listen to them. Autumn. You can find me on Twitter at autumnal underscore coffee. You can go to the Patreon, uh, exportaud.io, 
We have links there to the free feeds, or you can give us a dollar and get this podcast earlier. You can give us, give us $5. You can listen to Pop Town Funk, which we've explained many times before, or um, you can listen to Coming Soon, The Weed of Time. Uh, if you want to hear Nora and I talk about The Wheel of Time, um, that'll be up for $5 patrons soon. I have not started it yet because I decided to reread Fellowship of the Ring before I started Eye of the World. <laughs> the weed. The part time. where you're doing this while we're still doing this podcast is wild to me. Yeah, I thought we love fantasy books. I don't know. That's true. You do love right. fantasy books. <laughs> this will be three you have going concurrently. I know like ours is on hiatus, but I assume that's not going to last forever. It, I, I would like yeah. it to come back this summer. <laughs> You've heard of Hot huh? Girl Summer. Uh-huh. Now get ready for Dawn? Square the Circle. Uh, <laughs> What? Please try to uh, make the fantasy book into a pithy summer uh, quote. I was going to say um, um, hot sword summer. Hot, okay, I see why you didn't. You can find me on Twitter at EM underscore being. Uh, you want to support me in Jackson's podcast, you get a patron of Cops House Mapping. Everyone knows about that. You should listen to the Ghost Divers. It's going to already be out, uh, at least on the... Does that have a page? I don't actually know. If, I assume it's just the real episode. That, I don't know yeah, if it's come out early. Exportodd.io slash ghostdivers. Yeah, me and Neve have an episode on Nana that we did that'll be out already because that's supposed to go out tomorrow as we're doing this. And uh, I hope people like it. Um, it took it, it took moving mountains to get that episode recorded, but I enjoyed <laughs> doing it. You can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. Find stuff I've done at NoraBlake.online. <clears throat> um... Uh, podcasts, exportodd.io, uh, Poptown Funk. We had plans for Poptown Funk, and I'm not sure how in the air those plans are at this point because of how difficult some movies are to find these days. But for $5, you can join our journey of consumption as we uh, learn all about Funko Pops and all the things that are in them, like people. <laughs> Get us out of here. My friend says that we're done with this podcast. <laughs> Read for Ruin and the Red Dawn.